very, very fun. Like the actual whole theme of this episode today is about having fun and living our best life. Um, so we are super, super excited to bring this to you. So as always, you have me, your main host, Mackenzie Welch, and... And you have me, Michelle Zeman, as the co-host of Safe Space. Please make sure that you are listening for those two code words. Um, so that way you can earn your free CEUs. And remember, we're going to be talking about ethics. So this can count towards your ethics CEUs. How exciting is that? Yay. I know when I was doing my, my recertification cycle, those, those ethics CEUs are, are valuable. So oh. without further ado, let's launch off into space. Yes, let's do it. All right, welcome everybody. We um, have kind of a different episode for you today, Michelle and I. Um, you know, I'm just going to give listeners the whole the whole background on it. <laughs> yes, I love um, it. So Michelle and I were really talking about, I think something we're both super passionate about is um, making sure that ABA is very, is individualized and it really is, um, tailored towards the individual and their really, and not so much, I don't even want to say their needs because yes, like I, I definitely think there's a time and a place to talk about the learner's needs, but more about just like how the learner really, or our, our clients or even our parents that we're training how they really want to live their life. And I think it's really, really important that we tune into that. And I just don't think it's it's talked about as much. So let me know your thoughts, Michelle. Yeah, you know, I would have to agree with that. You know, it's it's so funny. So I'm a clinical director, to give you an idea. And I've read treatment plans, you know, both in my current job and in previous jobs. And it's like, I see these goals that are just copy pasted from the yeah. VB map and I'm like why mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know why? literally why <laughs> yeah it's and it's so bad like I'm just like why are you guys doing this or I'll see goals like that are parent training and you know like I'll see okay parents have concerns about these things and then none of them are addressed the ones that are addressed is oh the parent will teach their child about airless learning and it's like yep. why yeah. <laughs> you know? Probably not going to generalize. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, the, the biggest thing that I've really learned, you know, in my seven years of being a BCBA and my 10 years of being in the field is when we're teaching things, they have to matter to the kid. It can't just be, yeah, like it can't just be like, oh, you know, we're going to teach them all these skills from the VB map and then boom, all done services. That's not how life works. Absolutely. And it's, it's so interesting too, about like, it's like, okay, when we are, we are creating these goals, like, okay, we'll identify the shapes. I think we really have to be asking, and this just goes to your point too, why, literally why? Like, I think we always need to be asking the question, why do they, if they need to know shapes to, I don't know, be able to, you know, ask for a, a certain type of thing that they want like a certain right. cookie or something I okay but I think it's always it's like what I think being more thoughtful in our treatment planning of really asking I think just always asking that question of why oh yeah I completely agree you know I've been working on for example um echoics mm -hmm. and one thing that I've been teaching my clients for those who do not speak English and for my families who speak um, you know, only Spanish. Cause I have out of this, out of the clients that I have, most of them are only Spanish speaking. Yeah. And so when I'm having a child learn how to speak and communicate, I want them to be able to speak in their family's native language, not yeah. just in English, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's, it's thinking about that. And I think it's always asking those questions too, of like, Yes, this might be functional for us as a clinician in our minds. Like this might be like a safe safety sign. So that's that's a kind of a goal that I see a lot, which is okay. If they do need to know that going out in the community, then great. But it's always I think it goes back to that really individualization of like, is this a value? Yes, it might be a value for 
me or you or somebody, but like, is this a value for the child and the family? Because if it's not exactly our, our jobs are really pointless. Exactly. And that's why it's just, it's that much more important. And I think that what people need to realize, you know, whether you're a BCBA, BCABA, doesn't matter. You, you want to use these assessments, not as the gold standard. You mm-hmm. want to use them as a guide. As a guide. In, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Absolutely. Like, like, you know, I've sat there and I can do VB map all day. I can right. do an early start Denver model um, assessment all day. I can okay. do these different assessments, but if you're not, if you're just focusing on what is in that manual, then what, like, what benefit is the child going to get? Absolutely. You know? So. I do, I I have something a little bit, this is, we were, we were, I think we were texting about this. And again, this is not me. I I want, I want to be very clear. I am not promoting this in any way. Um, I'm just kind of bringing it up as context to kind of how we got at this topic. So just in one of my hobbies, I've been studying human design. I am not promoting that I'm a behavior analyst, human design reader. So I just want to be clear. Yeah. (laughs) But what it basically brought me to was the whole thing about that model is that it, and it's not a, I'm going to again, be clear. It is not a behavior analyst model. This is just giving context. Um, It is all about how do you use your own energy to basically live your best life and live like, ha- like how basically you, you're just, your natural state is and how you're really, you know, how, how you really make sense of the world. And it just got me kind of thinking of like, okay, well, how do we kind of go in this direction being more and doing, doing more of doing the better, like doing better or mm-hmm. our whole slogan of hashtag do better. Yeah. Um, how do we do that in a way that we are really thinking about the individual and how how they function, which got me thinking again, again and I might be going down a rabbit hole here, but bear That's with okay. me. That's <laughs> okay. Um, which got me thinking of like, should we even be teaching compliance goals? Like it really, like you know, like wh- mm-hmm. why? What, so they can fit in with the box? Like, or is it, is it, are we like, why are we teaching compliance? Oh, I have so much to say on this. <laughs> so it's, it's so funny because it's like, you know, I want my child to be able to tolerate, you know, adult directed activities. Cause that's something that, you know, we expect neurotypical children to do too. Yes. Right. Yes. But when it comes to overall like non-compliance, for example, why does my child have to clap their hands right. at the very second that you say, clap your hands? Right. Why can't my child advocate for themselves? Exactly. exactly. And the thing is, that's a, that's a safety skill when you think Absolutely. about it, right? Yeah. What if your child generalizes compliance to strangers, to people who can that's potentially, yeah, exactly, exactly. Not like I've literally, I've literally done a parent training where we tested out a quote unquote kidnapping scenario and we had a therapist literally come to my client's house and she pretended to kidnap him. And sure enough, like we found guy. out that his compliance generalized too over. Good. Yeah. 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 It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so interesting because it, especially, and when you think about like all of like our modern day, like the Me Too movement and um, just like the neurodivergence movement, it's like, we're all really gearing towards instead of compliance, it should be more of advocate, self-advocacy. Right. Right, exactly. Like, you know, you know that I've been involved in self-advocacy and, you know, really trying to um, really trying to, like, make sure that my clients are standing up for themselves. Mm -hmm. All of my clients, to give you an idea, have some form of self-advocacy in their programs. And it's because it it, because it is a safety skill. It is a skill that matters. If my kid is pushing my hand out of the way, they are showing dissent. If they're saying no, obviously that's also dissent. It can be any form of verbal or uh, vocal or non-vocal language to show me that they do not want to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a bigger, and I think a lot, a lot more people are kind of like waking up and recognizing this of like, are, should we even be having compliance programs? Like what, because yeah, again, like, yes, there is a time and place like safety, like, you know, but even, even so 
it could go the other way. Like you're like you're you're just just describing. So it's like a huge ethical thing. I think we now need to consider where it just it hasn't been considered before about about these compliance programs and using right. that word. I really just don't like the word anymore. I've decided. <laughs> I don't, I don't either. I'm not a fan of compliance. I'm more of like, you know, when it comes to that, you know, like toleration is one thing, you know, if my kid is able to tolerate something, that's great. Totally. And then also too, like at the, at the same time, I want them to tell me, Hey, can we do this later? Or, Hey, I'd rather exactly. do something else because again, advocacy really matters. You know, this is, we want to teach our, our clients to be able to get what they need to mm -hmm. uh, advocate for the modifications that are needed. And that's something that's something that really should be generalized to all clients, no matter if they're higher support needs, um, higher needs or uh, lower support Absolutely. needs, yeah. you know, I'm, and just so you know, like, I'm not going to use high functioning and low functioning, yeah. um, you yeah. know, in this because I'm not, I'm not a fan of yeah. using that language, yeah. but whether you have a child who needs more supports or less supports, everybody has Should be taught. got the yes. right. Yes. yes. Everyone yeah. needs to be taught that. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to, it's just like, how are we getting them? to live their best, like their best life and their best version of their, like what is their version, their best version. And like, you know, of, of, because yeah, I think it just kind of provides a whole, a whole new way, like looking, looking at programming. And um, I want to know your thoughts on it. Cause this kind of came up when I was thinking about this, this topic too. Um, yeah. I know this is a huge area of passion for you, but what are your thoughts on like, the work, because I mean, this is kind of that was our that's our this is our bread and bread and butter. It's what it what really built the field. But the term conditioning. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, I've just decided I don't like that word anymore either. Yeah. <laughs> um, conditioning is for hair, not for children. Right? And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm like, uh, not a fan of that word either. I, I'd rather just, you know, again, like we have our time in place for, you know, working on functional replacement behaviors, you know, we have our time in place to work on, you know, these behavior reduction goals. But again, I want to make sure that my clients are living their best life. You know, mm -hmm. if you if you look up the actually autistic hashtag on Instagram, and I believe also like on Twitter, um, okay you know, you'll see that there's a lot of hate on ABA and it's because we keep, yep. we keep like making our children be robots and right. that's not, and that's not, yeah. yeah, no. And what we're here for. Exactly. And individualize our, tr individualizing our treatment is literally in our code of ethics. Yeah. 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 And I think that really goes, goes toward, I mean, we can apply this to really kind of a lot of lot of uh, areas in the field. I think like, obviously, number one, we need to be thinking about our clients, like how are we helping them live their best lives 100%. Yep. Also, like, how do we kind of use this like within a supervision model too? So just shifting gears a little bit and just be like, because I think it's really important to start tailoring our supervision to make sense to the supervisees as well to like, and so it, it really, it's something that is personal to them too. Absolutely. You know, um, one thing that I would recommend is just, um, you know, meeting with your supervisees outside of supervision Absolutely. and just kind of see like where their head is at, you know, how yeah. do they feel about things? Let's debrief after session, you know, because, what if they feel like they are alone? Like, what if they feel yeah. like they, you know, what if they feel like they're not supported or yeah. how can we go ahead and provide um, individualized feedback? Right. Should we do it throughout? Should we do it at the right. end? You know, and, what do they, and like, what is their, like, what, what, what are their preferences on it too? Exactly. Really, really exactly. And then like the other thing that I think about too is collaboration, right? You For know, sure. BCBAs, like we're there, what, 20% of supervision hours a week, yeah. you know, um, you know, um, techs are there for their entire services, but then parents are there all the time and teachers are there, you know, 
as like, you know, as the child goes to school and whatnot. So I like to use my supervision and even my parent coaching um, time to just focus on collaboration and just making sure that what I am teaching to my child, what I'm having my technician teach their child is in line with living their best life. Yep. Yeah. I just, I mean, and I, it makes it just, even just as a clinician for me thinking about it, like thinking about like how you're approaching your supervisees, how you're approaching uh, the parents you work with, how you're approaching your clients. Um, When you look at it as like a, okay, let's, we're helping them live their best life. That's so much re- more reinforcing for me because I'm like, yeah, I want to help someone. Like I'm all here for living your best life. Like I literally, Same. I was on, I, I think I'm on the search to make people have fun. So I just like, when I think about, it just gives such a much like more, it just, it's so much more free and, and lighter in the sense of like the way I want to approach it and the way I want to go to work. And then I think that when we as clinicians show up as like the passionate human beings that we all are, and we're not sticking to this rigid little box of like yeah. making sure we're doing like exactly what the BB map says or exactly what the ABLE says. But when we go at it from like, we're living our best life and we're teaching other people how to do that. It's just, it's so much more fun. Oh yeah. It's, it literally like fills up my cup. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I actually have told my technicians, I think all, but like maybe one or two, you know, we, I have little, I have mostly little kiddos on my caseload Yeah. and I try to tell them, you know, try not to be at the table so much, you know, try to get them playing, move around and use natural contingencies to build language you know I have a couple kiddos in mind that I can think of right now we don't have them really sitting at the table unless it's mealtime or if there's like an activity that warrants a table like slime or um, water beads or something but that being said every time we're exposing them to language, every time we're um, like kind of narrating what they're doing, um, we're giving them that opportunity to teach. And some of our kids and those two particular kiddos are non, um, I wouldn't say non-vocal, they're emerging their vocal language. They've started to repeat what we're saying. Yep. So you see, you see what I mean? (laughs) Like we can say, yeah, exactly. We're yeah. not we're not making them sit at a table and do this, clap your hands, touch your nose. That's so that's not functional no. for a kid to just sit at a table and do all these things. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. So agreed. It's very and yeah, when you kind of think about it with that it's like when you think about an enriched environment, right? It's like that's what we yeah. can learn about enriching it's like you don't have to build in all these token systems and all these these outside um reinforcements when it's it's just fun because <laughs> like, the right. value is already in the environment and so it's just like it it really it just makes it makes it a lot less work for everybody I think exactly and you know it might just look like you know to somebody oh well you guys are just like moving around and playing, but isn't the point for the child to have fun? Isn't the point for the child to be able to do what they like and be in the environment that they're in? Not just here, I'm going to throw a bunch of demands your way and we're going to make you hate us as a result, you know, because that can and does happen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think we, as a field, I think we, we have, we have gotten, I mean, we speak of do that. I think we have gotten a lot better, but you still do see these really rich. And it's, I, I think it, it gets hard when we have insurance companies very disconnected from what we do and kind of demanding yeah. these stuff. But I think that that kind of just gives us more of the opportunity to really, how do we be more creative with the way that we're wording things or writing goals? in a way that, okay, is still making sense, like it can still be approved at, from an insurance standpoint, but it's also really values-based and functional for the client. Yeah, you know, and that's something that I've had to really work with because, you know, insurance is, you know, insurance <laughs> and they like to look yeah, at yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I've had to go, I've had to go to peer review enough times where I'm just like, <laughs> y'all, come on. And so, yeah. um, <laughs> So I have, I've had to like word my goals to where it goes back to just being as creative as possible. Right. So I've had, I've, I actually had an intake where they wanted their kid to learn how to drive, 
And okay, I can't write a goal that says this kid will learn how to drive a car with 100% of opportunities. Can't do that. But what I but what I can do is I can write a goal that says um, the client will follow a task analysis to um, to drive or to go from one place to another or to follow um, a task analysis to do three functional goals. And those functional goals can include driving, laundry, um, putting dishes in a dishwasher. There's there's a lot of different ways to to word it for insurance. Yeah, I think that that's, and I come from, I mean, I, I've done both models, but a lot of my background with, is within the schools. And some mm-hmm. of my experience is, is they, when, um, like at non, non-public schools, we would have the state come in and audit um, okay. the, the programs. And it's very similar to like the insurance BCBA disconnect of they're like up here and we're over, we're, we're in different universes, right? And yeah. So we really, so it was, a lot of it was relating like high school, like, high school type goals to like the common core state standard of like decimals and money. And we had to get really creative with like, okay, yes, this isn't exactly the, the the exact state standard, but it's still like, okay, they're working on using a debit card, like out in the community because that's functional. We need them to do that. That is still somehow incorporating in decimals and so and no, no it's not the exact like no we're not adding decimals <laughs> like, right but still working that in in a functional way and if and I found because I had I had to just talk directly to these um these people of the state I shall say <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness and when you relate it that way and because the, then they have and then they go and they observe um like the community-based classrooms and stuff that it make it get, they get it like they so it's just it, I think it's really all about like how you present it and just being yeah. like okay like just really thinking outside of the box yeah and that's something that I really like want to encourage our listeners to really do like you know whether you're a BCBA or going for your BCBA or if you're in BCABA whatever position you're in right you know I remember struggling with being outside of the box when yeah. I was first a BCBA and I was like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. But then I've learned along the way and I've had to kind of like teach myself, okay, there's different ways that we can do this and we can still have fun, you Absolutely. know? And also too, like that's the frustrating thing is insurance is so disconnected to what we do because they yeah. look at medical model. They look at yep. medical necessity and yep. it's like, okay, I get that. Yeah. But also there there is medical necessity in the fact that, you know, our children need to be able to live independent and thriving lives. You know, I know, I know too many people that have been referred to group homes and to, um, I know people who have been under guardianships or at risk of guardianships and that's not fair. Yeah. 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 So definitely not living their best life. (laughs) exactly exactly and isn't the point of what we do to help you know help our children you know obviously gain skills while reducing behaviors but ultimately to be to have our kids be able to live their best life isn't isn't that like the whole thing you know so um, I got into it (laughs) exactly exactly like I want I want my kids to be able to live their best life I want my kids to be able to be adults where they can make decisions on their own you know they can advocate for themselves they can do all of these things and I can tell you you know from Florida standpoint you know you really have to advocate for the services that you need and, you know, you, you've got to be able to raise your voice because, you know, there are there are resources here, but they will tell you, oh, you you can't do this. Oh, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. No, yeah. no. No, yes, actually, can. I can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm saying. And then it's all it's really like coming. It's it's about and I like that you said that, like, I think when you're first learning, of course, like, we're give yourself grace. You're just learning. You're you're learning the ground rules of everything. So, you you know, you're you're learning um you're learning how how to do things within a certain framework but now knowing that it's like how do we break outside of that how do we get how do we look at every day every interaction with our clients every goal writing period or when we're writing goals like how do we look at this in a more creative way because that's I mean that's the stuff that after and I know you've been in the field 
for a while too. It's like that, you know, after a few, a couple, like a few years you get, it gets mundane. And it's like, so you, we got to like really be, that's the stuff that like lights me up of like, you know, how do we get more creative with, with our programming? Right. Exactly. You know, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example right now. Um, I'm working with a little one and the technician on that case, um, we've been really collaborating because, you know, his, um, his ideas that he brings to the table are, you know, all about naturalistic teaching, but then too, you know, the child that he's working with is learning so much. He's already doing, you know, some of the verbal operants without us having to test things from right. the BB map or test, like, for example, he can say all the names of the dinosaurs. Every, <laughs> like, I kid you not, this kid can tell me Tyrannosaurus Rex oh, and it. Pterodactyl. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't even know these dinosaurs, yeah. but good yeah. job, kid. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a yeah. kid that knows all this at three that like knows all the state capitals. And I'm like, okay, you, you and you do you, you do you, kid. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? That is a talking repertoire, totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Same thing, same thing for another child that I work with, you know, he absolutely loves animals. He loves the ABCs. Um, we're teaching him like A is for, and then he says like the word. So yeah. just tonight I heard A is for apple, B is for bumblebee and C, I don't remember what he said for C, but it's just like, you yeah. have to almost make your goals where they care, you yeah. know? It, and I think that's that's really important. It just kind of lit up a a thought for me of like, okay, then maybe we're changing our criteria of the goal. One of my favorite um, supervisors out there, um, it, it was really kind of worked with me on this. On like, okay, so then sometimes five consecutive sessions isn't. It's not. It doesn't mean they haven't met the goal. Like it's it just. It's it just. And just because like, that's like in the goal bank or whatever. And it, yes, it would be great, but like, it doesn't mean that like, so it's like, okay, thinking about like averages, like, because an average is probably a more accurate picture of like real life, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It, I mean, like, I think that we can be creative with our criteria as well. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, you know, at the end of each semester, you know, you don't, just pass if you get a 100 percent yeah you don't just pass if you get 80 percent consistency yeah you know you pass based on you know your average for the semester the average for the quarter so why can't my kid pass a goal because he fluctuates between right. 80 and 100 yeah you know now the now i will say when it comes to safety skills because Oh, I yeah. don't want to run the risk of my yeah. child getting hit yeah. by a car, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one thing. But 100%. if it's like, but if it's like, oh, they're tacting a few items, these specific items. And, you know, if they get, you know, between like 90, 95% average across like three to five sessions, which honestly, like I've even cut it off at three. Right. Cause I'm, right. cause my kid knows it. Like, right. Yeah. So right. it's just, it's like, how can we sit here and say, okay, my kid doesn't really like know it if they don't get five sessions yeah. of 80 yeah. plus percent. No, yeah. that yeah. that's not it. Yeah. And it, 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 it's, yeah, it's thinking about, I think just it like, like what you said before of like the robotic, the, yeah, the, all of that stuff, like the, the experimental behavior analysis, all of that wonderful, lovely Skinner stuff really brought us, it brought us to field and we're grateful. However, <laughs> we are in modern times in the real world. It is applied like this is applied behavior analysis. We're not in, in these. So I think it's just when you think about it in terms of real life, it's like, I don't know. I, sometimes I get a headache or like it's like or some or kids get sick. And it's like just because it doesn't mean they haven't met the goal. And then I think taking like looking at how we take data, too. It's like, do we need to be taking data the entire session? Do do we, or do we like more need to be, be thinking about teaching the skills and then taking data at, at certain points of the session, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yes, I do want to look at data, but at the same time, absolutely. I want to, that's, that's what we do, but yeah, it's, it's the hallmark of what we do. But also what I want to do is I want to make sure that 
my clients are being taught these things. How are you teaching the skill to my client? Right. And how can I support you in that regard? How can I tailor my supervision to make sure that you know what you're supposed to do, what the expectation yeah. is to teach this? Yeah. And I myself am a virtual supervisor. Um, I do go up to Virginia about once every like four to six weeks to help out on the ground. But mm -hmm. that being said, it is a little bit harder because I do have to tailor my vi virtual supervision a little differently yeah. where when I'm up there, I can be all over. I can be modeling on the yeah. ground. Yeah. I can do all the things, yeah. you know? Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I, I mean, I personally would just love to see us more. Uh, we need data. Like we, we all know we, we need, we're, we're going to need data, <laughs> but no matter like what. When, yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do we make ease? It's ease of data collection for the, you know, it's like that ease of data collection. So we can really spend that time teaching and put the pen down, like put the pen and the paper down, teach, and then like teach the program. And then, you know, obviously we, and then we, and then we go and we take data, like it, or just coming up with certain intervals where we take data. Um, right. Just because I think I would just love to see. I, I mean, and I, I, I'm just kind of going from a model of like sometimes it does. Like when I'm in a classroom, sometimes it kind of does look like if you if you do have like a a BT or a behavior analysis in there, like it does look like we're a little bit robotic with our with our pens and pencils. And it just like it's like how do we make this more natural? And like okay, this is yeah. our data taking time and this is our teaching time. So um, yeah, yeah. I think that kind of goes into like probes and stuff like that too. So. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, even like on my end, you know, bringing a clipboard and a pen makes mm -hmm. me look kind mm -hmm. of like I'm just judging you. Right, right. Um also too, I've been in schools where like I've had, you know, um my data collection app and it looks like I'm just texting, but I promise you I'm not texting. Right. I'm literally taking data. Taking data, yeah, yeah. 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 But that but that being said, you know, it's like I can look a certain way by you know, doing these things. By and so ease of, yeah. yeah. So yeah. one thing, one thing that I've um, encouraged before is do just one data point. It's fine. Okay. If, I yeah, love one data I point. Yeah. As, as long as I know you're doing it once, that's totally. fine. I'm with you. That, that's completely fine. I don't yeah. need you doing five trials no. of my kid doing like doing a skill. No. In an hour, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm totally with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. With that being said, I would love to give uh, our listeners our first code word, and then we can jump back with some ethics. So our first code word is going to be purple. That's P U R P L E, just like our new fancy microphones that you guys can't see, but we have new fancy microphones and they're purple. So. P-U-R-P-L-E is the code word. I love our microphones so much. <laughs> Gosh, I wish you guys could see our microphones. Like they are just, they're so cool. They're and really cool. They're really yeah. like chic. Yes. Shout out to Lizna. Um, you know, these are gorgeous and yeah. the sound is really nice. I just, yeah. I love that so much. Um, but yeah, you know. Oh my goodness, ethics. I mean, let's just bring up the fact that it's literally in our code of ethics to yes. do individualized yeah. programming, yeah. individualized yeah. treatment, you yeah. know? And so my my thought is it goes back to your first like initial contact with the family, right? Yep. So, you know, I often will ask, what are your top concerns? And I want them to tell me what their top concerns are. You know, okay, so for example, they want to work on building communication. Yes. If they're building communication, what does that look like for my client? What does that look like for them? You know, what does that look like overall? And yes. if if I'm not like, if I'm not getting that information or if I'm not asking about that information, then how am I supposed to teach that? Right. You know? Right. Well, it, 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 yeah, it just, I think it's like, it's very, you put it very nice and eloquently and um, very concisely. I mean, it's just, we just ask, like we were just asking, you know, those basic, it really, those basic questions in the beginning. Um, it's super, super, and you can just, get, you can glean so much information from that. 
You really can. You can learn so much about the family's values. You can learn a lot about, I mean, I'm looking at it from a culture standpoint. I'm looking at it from, you know, their overall lifestyle, right? So if I know that, for example, my client has to, or one of my parents' priorities is to have their child wear a yarmulke, which I've seen this example on a test before. Um, (laughs) But there was there was a question about like wearing a yarmulke and i think the answer was like making sure that we're teaching the prerequisites or something of like or focusing on other goals um but that being said this is part of their culture you yep. know this yep. is a part of their life and yeah. if that's something that is a requirement for them per their religion if that's something that they that matters to them Who are we as behavior analysts to make that call? I think that's, and it just, it goes back to like, are you really having to check our own biases of like, who are we to say that? Like, that's, it's like, are we the ones who are determining their, no, they're the, the, like, they're the ones determining what their values are as their best life. You know, it's, 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 we help along the way we guide it, but um, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not for us to say that like your culture is wrong, you know? And I, yeah. And I think too, BCBAs, BCABAs, I, I feel like everybody forgets that this is a consumer based service, yes. Yes. right? 100%. We, we will write a treatment plan. We will teach these goals. We will do these things. But if I am saying, okay, you know, I want to teach all these skills, but but I have a caregiver who doesn't agree with that and they want to focus on other goals, other skills, mm-hmm. other things. You know, who am I to write these, for lack of a better term, basic goals yeah, for basic. A, yeah, basic. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag basic. You know, like how can I sit here and make that determination when I really don't know um about the child mm-hmm. I don't know about their life you yeah. know yeah 100% yeah um so just for le- listeners to reference um the ethic code there's there's a few but the one I want to reference right now is um 2.09 involving clients and stakeholders um so behavior analysts make appropriate efforts to involve clients this is related to clients and stakeholders but I think it, it first and foremost and I think it's 3.01 that goes into um, specifically individualizing treatment, but involving clients first, first and foremost. So just from you, Michelle, I would love to know what are some ways, and I think it's easier with our, with our verbal, obviously it's easier with our verbal clients to be, to involve them in, in the treatment planning, but even with our non, our non-verbal, non-vocal clients, like how, sorry, non-vocal. It's okay. Um, how are we how are we adapting our assessments and adapting, you know, what we present to them to 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 involve because because they need to be involved. Like they it's, it's right. their right to be involved. Um, Absolutely. So I would love Absolutely. to hear from you on that. Absolutely. And that's a really great question because Um, There's definitely that challenge that I've seen as well of like, oh, how am I going to get my non-vocal client involved? Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to pairing, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, It goes back to seeing like what they like. It goes back to knowing their natural environment. Um, You know, so if I have a kid, for example, who absolutely, and I'm going to go back to the dinosaur example, Mm because literally half of my kids love dinosaurs. If I have a kid who loves dinosaurs and will, you know, like, um, will follow basic skills based on dinosaurs, then I want to teach them these things. Absolutely. So that way they're living their best life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my kid yeah. who's learning his ABCs, um, there's ways to tailor those goals. And he, again, you know, he's emerging vocal, but he's not at the level of being completely vocal, having sentences in his repertoire. But that being said, you know, I think it just goes back to being able to um, get to know them, get to know their yeah. likes, get to know what they like and don't like, what they're interested and in, not interested in. Absolutely. It's kind of, it's getting to know their personality, I totally. think, too. 
it yeah. is, it's getting to know their like what you said their natural what what they what are they like in their natural element like how are they someone who you know needs who, who needs to sleep in and if if that's if that's so then how are we you know adjusting schedules and stuff to make sure that like we're delivering um effective treatment that way it's like it's getting to know who who they are who are they as a person and i think that just comes like you said with pairing and time and um but then making sure to consider that that when because i you know we get sometimes we get eight hours to do an assessment and we don't write the most relevant uh things within eight hours so i think it's really yeah. important to always be revised like always saying that we can go back and revise it um because we we need we need to be involving all of their their natural environment and sometimes that that takes time to build it really does. And that's why too, like it also goes back to really making sure that you have good rapport with your caregivers as well, because yeah. the caregivers are the expert on the child. Yep. yep. We assess them eight hours or 12 hours or however many hours, you know, our technicians, like I said, you know, our technicians there for the service hours, we're there for 20% of supervision, but the caregiver, the one who is in charge of the home is the one that knows their child the best. Yep. They know the most about their interests. They know the most about what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. Um, you know, they know they know so much more than what we, we can get. Yeah. And yeah. what we can gather within that really short amount of time. Yes. That's exactly. And even during supervision, you know, I can I can say, like, yeah, I supervised this kid for over a year, but do I really know them as a as an entire person? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do what like what do I know you yeah. know I only know the child based on tw the 20 percent 10 to 20 percent of supervision that I'm providing per week 100%. beyond that beyond that I don't know really yeah I, yeah and I think that that's that brings up such a good uh humility point with with us yes. as as behavior analysts it's okay like it, we don't have to know we just we I think we have to be when we are open to the the idea that we we, we don't know everything, and we're not gonna mm -hmm. know everything, then um, it it gives it kind of gives gives the freedom to explore so much more and really get to know the client and their environment, you know. Oh, absolutely. Like I I personally have seen BCBAs be like, well, parents are not following through with the plan in place and they're not following through with the behavior interventions that I've taught them. Yeah. Well, what yeah. if what if the caregiver just can't feasibly do it? Right. How am I gonna sit there and expect a parent who has three children follow through with an entire extinction procedure right, and, right. you know, like place their behaviors on extinction and have their children, you know, in a different area. Yeah. You know, how how yeah. am I supposed to do that? You know? Yeah. And yeah. also too, um, you know, not just, not just that, but like, it goes back to being able to, um, it goes back to being able to really understand, um, you know, like our clients' backgrounds, our clients' mm -hmm. life as a whole, you yes. know, we yes. have to make sure that not only our treatment um, of our clients is ethical, but we need to take a step back and realize, okay, I may know how to run certain programs and do certain things, but I'm not an expert on the child. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, We've kind of hit on that in um, some of our previous episodes. I know we we talked about that in the the parent training episode, but it is just it's something to always be considering of just like we I think we I really and you said something earlier that brought something up too of like of collaborate. I think we need to be looking at supervision as collaboration, um, the way we work with clients as collaboration, and the way we work with parents. It's not a above I'm above you, below you. So it's it's we are a team that we are all. And really, I think Courtney kind of hit the hit hit on this in the in the parent training episode of like this is really it's a it's a a collaboration. It's a relationship. Like so, it's it is more mm -hmm. rather than this. You're not following my plan. It's like well, it's their plan too. So exactly, uh, you know. Exactly. And that's why, like, for me, whenever I'm supervising, you know, yes, I'm the clinical director of a place that I, that a place of my employment, and I'm also a supervisor. But that being said, I also don't feel that I am above people in yes. the way that, 
you know, other BCBAs feel that they're above, you know, right. I, yep. I have been supervised by plenty of people who are like, well, this is what I have. And this is what you're going to do. And yep. there's no if, ands or buts about it. Yep. Okay. But you're not there more than 20% of supervision. Right. Um, you're not there at least 20% of the time. Yeah. I'm lucky if I see you sometimes once a week, totally. you know? Totally. So how can you sit there and say that? Like, how yeah. can you sit there and pretend that, you know, you are like, you might be the quote unquote expert on the behavior analysis side, but how are you going to sit there and say, oh, this is what the intervention is and this is going to work and you're not going to do anything else and you have to be like th that to me just doesn't sit well, yeah. you know, so that's why like I ask my technicians for feedback. That's why I ask them, OK, yep. give me some ideas, bring something to me to the table so that way I can challenge you, but you're challenging me and totally. I like I totally. love that. that. That's how fills, you grow as a supervisor. That's know? how I that's how you grow as a supervisor. And it yeah. also just it's highly reinforcing. Totally. You know, I've totally. had I, I've supervised people that are like like extremely motivated by that yeah. because they want their input heard, you yeah. know, especially because they are there all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. You know? So Yeah. yeah and I, I think it it just really goes back to that humility really we, it just makes us better humans it does <laughs> like it really it just makes us i mean i'm not here to say like what what being a good human is however i will say that it just i think everybody works better it like things need to be a two-way street with right everything, you know right um it needs to be this how are we looking at us as even playing fields of like no, it's not just, hey, supervisee, I'm just like giving you your feedback. We'll save my growth areas for another time. But it's, it's no, it's a two-way street with, I think, everything. So making sure we're, we're facilitating, facilitating feedback on all ends is, is super, super important. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. And, you know, I really want to make sure that that is brought up to those who are going for their like BCBA and their hours and whatnot, mm -hmm. because too many times I've seen supervisors that are coming in as first year and being like, okay, this is the plan and we're going to do yeah. it like this. And yeah. it's just like, guys, you know, can we, can we please take a step back from yeah. this and focus on getting to know the child, getting to know the family, getting to know their life? You know, can we, yeah. can we take a step back from that like sciencey yeah. area and be humans? Cause we're be humans. humans. We're humans human. first. We're absolutely we are we're humans first. first. A second. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like not enough of us um, really apply that. Yeah. I feel yeah. like there are yeah. some BCBAs out there that are like, or not even BCBAs, but there are people in our field who are like, oh, I'm a practitioner or, oh, I'm this mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you're not, you no. know, because. Human and so is this person and we all are living in this human world together. <laughs> exactly. Like, let me, let me propose this. How would you like it if I came into your house and I told you that you needed to follow this plan, this specific way and only that specific way and no deviation whatsoever. And yeah. like, how would you feel if no. I did that to you? I wouldn't want I would not want to work with those people either at all. Exactly. Exactly. And like often I get, I, I've gotten the, um, oh, the child is just so not compliant. Oh, the child is just so this. Oh, you know, um, I can't get them to, I can't get parents to stop reinforcing behaviors. It's like, guys, you know, come on. Let's look at human lens. And, <laughs> yes. And, and, and just, you know, living, living our best life lens of like, we're all just, we're all, we're all here just trying to live our best life. So how, how do we meet in the middle on that? You know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, at the end of the day, we want to be able to be in, we want to be in a field where we are, we are promoting our clients to live their best life. Yes. You know, 100%. as, as a disabled person myself, you know, that is something that I've really like come to come to terms with because you know 
I, if I were to be in a therapeutic environment, a quote unquote therapeutic environment where I'm being taught these skills that just don't matter to me, mm-hmm. then it's not, I'm not getting anything out of it. Yeah. I can make a ton of quote unquote progress per the assessment. And then I might, and then, you know, the BCBA might say, oh, you know, we're going to move towards discharge because they mastered out of this assessment. Yep. But what, what justice are you doing for me right. as right. a client, you know? Yeah. It's again, it's that human first, human first, human first, human first before, human f- before anything. <laughs> yeah. Human first practitioner second. Yes. Number yes. one. And number two, just trying to get the clients to a point where, you know, everyone is living their best life, yes. right? You yes. know, you as a neurotypical person are able to make decisions for yourself you are, and I'm not saying like you specifically, Mac, but I mean like, you know. I would say I'm, I lean more. I honestly lean more neurodivergent myself just with all my, my ADHD and everything. But anyways, keep going. Yeah, no, I was just saying like, you know, um, you meaning yeah. like some of our listeners yeah. Um, yeah. are um, able, you know, you get the capacity to make those decisions on how you're going to live your best life. Absolutely neurodivergent people are clients that we work with in our centers and in our homes and schools need to have that same right. It is not just, it's not just, it's not a privilege. It's a human right. Absolutely. And we need, I think the world just, you brought up just a point about like you, you as a neurodivergent autistic behavior analyst bring one of the most unique perspectives to the field and we need it. So like we need these, these, we need these, these autistic individuals. We need these, these kids with emotional disturb. That's what they call it in California, but a whole range of behavioral quote unquote disorders, but I'm going to say differences. Um, we, we need these people. Like we need the, we need these people to defy what the normal like box is. So how are we taking that into account and making sure that they're living their best life, you know? Absolutely. And I would like to encourage our listeners to really make sure that, you know, not only are you taking a step back from yourself and taking a mm-hmm. step back from, you know, being the practitioner first and a human second, I actually want to encourage our listeners to look up neurodivergent authors, neurodivergent Absolutely. artists. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I, I follow um I follow a neurodivergent self-advocate who has written multiple books. Yeah. And I love reading I love reading his books because, you know, he talks oh, yeah. so much about his life, but yeah. then he also makes sure that he brings other neurodivergent people at the forefront, Absolutely. their successes, their lives, you yeah. know. And I think that we as practitioners need to also make sure that we are promoting our clients in a positive light too. Right, right. You know, right. even our non-vocal or lowly, uh, low vocal clients, you know, they have amazing talents. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just, I told you earlier, my kid who knows all the dinosaurs. Absolutely. I, I know about one. <laughs> I don't know. I tried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it just really goes back to um, it goes back to just making sure that we are promoting um, number one, being a human because we are humans first and BCBAs or practitioners second. And number two, it really goes back to just making sure that our clients are getting what they need and what yep. they ultimately deserve. Yeah. Yeah. And want. Yes. You know, they they deserve to have wants too, you know? Exactly. If, if a neurotypical person is able to get what they want, a neurodivergent person ought to have the same rights. A hundred percent. And I mean, in this, this, I think, uh, I mean, this could be a whole new episode of like, when we are defining social significance, it's like, what does that really mean? And how, and you know, and how are we working in collaboration with our clients to like, really operationally define that because I think sometimes we have our version of it and then it's not necessarily right, you know? Agreed. Agreed. What is socially significant to you and I, Mac, it's not socially, may not necessarily be socially significant to another person. Right. Like the dinosaur kid. 
I couldn't care less about dinosaurs. It's, I mean, right. no offense to, no offense, but I don't necessarily like research dinosaurs in my free time. Right. But if it matters right. to my kid, then I'm going to do what Absolutely. I can to make sure that they learn about dinosaurs. Absolutely. They're passionate about it. Boom. Yeah. We're gonna, we're yeah. gonna teach about it. Yeah. You know. I think you could you could really kind of look at that lens too of like when we're eliminating behaviors it's like do we really need to eliminate this like you know it's like yes I know it doesn't look quote unquote normal or he doesn't fit in with his peers in the class but it's like why 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 do we need to eliminate that you know Right. I mean, let's just let's just talk about stereotypy. I, being... <laughs> I mean, how many times have you personally done some sort of self stim throughout the episode? You I, I, know, I'm, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. I I have this thing where I like I have to like I have a like fidget thing underneath me, and I'm like I have to be like spinning something all the, or sometimes I have to be drunk. Like if I'm in a meeting, I cannot be sitting there. I have to be like either doodling or that is pretty much stimming. Yeah. Same. I mean, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm cam I'm on camera right now and I'm literally moving my chair back and forth. Yep, yep. I'm messing with like, um, I'm not trying to like be discussing with this, but I'm trying, I'm messing with a bandaid at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, my yeah. eye contact has been fleeting. I but... all, every single one of my pens has the cap chewed on. Like we all have, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just goes back to, you know, if my client or if you and I can both do these things and if other neurotypical adults and if adults in general can do these things, why can't our clients, right. you know, right. what may be quote unquote weird and unusual to you exactly. is this is how they cope. This yep. is what they need. It's how they need. It's how they need to to get by in the world. And who are we to say that it's wrong? You know. Ex exactly. Exactly. And so, I get I get frustrated about like eliminating certain behaviors. Exactly. Scripting is another one. I mean, totally. I I used to I I have a kid who um who loves all things all state insurance and <laughs> yeah and he talks about Jake from State Farm and it's like. Listen, my my kid just wants to talk about Jake well, from State yeah. Farm. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, it's let's fine. have just a because the no just because the majority, you know, we want the majority wants to talk about the Real Housewives. Why can't he talk about Jake from State Farm? Come on. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, like why can't we give him that chance? You know, if we are fixated on certain topics, why can't and and if we feel that we need to talk about certain things, our clients need to have that same right. I th I think really it just goes back to. Um, not just like social significance for the client, but then also teaching what's fair. You know, okay. if if our if our neurotypical children and adults can do all these things, why can't our neurodivergent right. clients do the right. same? Right, right. Again, so, human yeah. first. Human yeah. first, and live your best life, and let's all yeah. live our best lives. Exactly. That's and that should be the end goal. That sh that should be the goal from the very, very beginning of our services, not halfway through, not at the point of discharge. No. That needs to be the forefront. forefront. My goal, my goal here is to make sure that I am supporting you, support your child, so that way you can live your best life. Right. And that's for the caregivers, for the technicians. My role is to help you help your child learn skills so that way they can live their best lives. Absolutely. Yep. My role with a client is to help them live their best lives. Yep. Yep. So yep. It's, that's the it's, commonality. I, I, yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, just, I think we just make a, you know, just, just put it on your laptop or your, or your, or, or your, a t-shirt or something of just like, we're just, we're all here trying to live our best lives. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, if we get that. We, how do we facilitate that? Exactly. You know? If. If we get to live that, if we get to have that decision, our clients need the same. Absolutely. 150%. Yeah. Well, this was such a fun episode. Um, I know we're both very, very passionate about it. And um, we just thought for you as listeners, you would want to chime in on the conversation. Um, and if you have like any more comments on this topic or um, just anything more to say, we would love to hear from you on Instagram. Um, so I am going to give our last code word, which is going to be pink. Uh, that's P-I-N-K. Again, that's P-I-N-K. So both words are colors because this was 
quite a colorful episode. Um, so yes. again, that's P-I-N-K um, for the last code word. And you guys can find us at, at Safe Space um, on Instagram if you want to comment more. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. I would love to get people involved in the conversation. I would love to hear what you guys have to say because I mean, this is yeah. something that is ever growing in our field. On, on, ongoing. Yes. All awesome. right, everybody. We'll have a wonderful day, night, morning, whatever time you're listening to this. And we will see you on the next episode. Awesome. Take care, guys, and stay safe. <laughs>